Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for June 6, 2023. How could the strong labor market influence the next rate hike decision? The labor market is showing little evidence of slowing despite the Fed's effort to decrease demand through higher interest rates. Next week's FOMC meeting will be watched closely as the committee debates raising the Fed funds rate again. This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to discuss the labor market and our outlook for what the Fed may announce next week, we have Nationwide's Kathy Bostancic, Senior Vice President and Chief Economist, and Senior Economist Ben Ayers. Kathy, let's get your insight on the strong labor market. What does the May employment report and still low initial jobless claims, what does all that say about the labor market and the overall economy? Well, thanks, Brian. The labor market's been incredibly resilient and, and held in there better than we, the Federal Reserve, and I would say the consensus view has been. Federal Reserve has raised rates from zero to 5%, and uh, we have not seen the type of uh, slowing in demand for workers that, that we expected. Um, and, you know, if you look at, you know, let's first take a look at the the employment report which we received uh, last Friday 339,000 new jobs were created in May um, and that's in line with the 12 month um, monthly average um, so it shows that um, the new jobs that are created hasn't slowed at all really over the last year Um, that's quite incredible really at this stage of the business cycle um, and when you look through the details, it, it's really on the service side of the economy, uh, and not, not a big surprise, but that uh, is extremely robust. And some of it's the sectors that are still catching up from uh, the hit from COVID, uh, leisure and hospitality, education, healthcare workers. Um, that's like a, a large bulk of it, but it, it's more widespread than that and really speaks to the um view and and the reality that the service side of the economy has a lot of staying power right now Um, a lot of that related to the fact that um, there's still a lot of pent-up demand to spend on the service side of the economy uh, dining out traveling and and other service expenditures as well that were not uh, engaged in during COVID and and even when the economy reopened were slow to to rebound Um, and you also see that reflected um, not just the hiring, but the demand for workers. There's still not enough supply to really meet the demand. Um, as you noted, uh, we got the jobs opening uh, and uh, layoff and, and turnover data uh, from the Fed Reserve, otherwise known as JOLTS, um, and job openings per unemployed worker uh, rose from about 1.6 to roughly 1.8. So it means that for every one person unemployed, there's still 1.8 jobs. Now that's come off its boil. It was at two at one point, but that's that's a modest um, reduction in that ratio. Pre-COVID, it was you know running roughly you know around one. You know, be one for one. Um, so what Chairman Powell has characterized is this labor market is unhealthily strong and it's it's hard to think about that right like the labor market we want strong labor market we want people to be employed we want people to earn uh strong income but when it becomes too hot it means 
that it pressures wage growth and it makes it harder for them to lower inflation. Uh, and it's also just hard to get workers in, in general. Um, and, that, and of course, that feeds through to the wage growth. So uh, initial jobless claims remain very low. They've increased a little bit, you know, running around 225,000. You know, that's up from the low of 200,000, but still historically that's an exceptionally low number. And the continuing jobs number, what we're seeing is when people are laid off, they're able to find work relatively quickly. And we've had a lot of tech workers laid off in, in the last, you know, three to, to four months, um, but they must be finding jobs in the service side. That's what the data suggests. So uh, still a very, very robust and strong uh, labor market, but the Federal Reserve is aiming to slow it down. Well, thank you, Kathy. Let's go ahead and bring Ben on this conversation too. Ben, you heard Kathy just talk about some of the factors that's keeping labor to stay strong. And yeah, I'd love to hear your input too. What things are you seeing that's keeping the labor market from from getting weaker? And how much longer could that continue? Sure, yeah, Kathy raised some great points there. You know, I think what we highlighted there was the strong demand. You know, worker, employers continue to demand more workers. You, you know, you look at the survey data, and it suggests that businesses are you know, pulling back a little bit. Maybe they're not hiring as many workers as they were before. They're looking at areas to cut back on costs. Um, but we're, and we're down a little bit from the fever pitch of the labor market that we had over 21 and 22, but it's still very tight. Uh, you know, Most consumers say that jobs are still plentiful. Uh, and within the consumer confidence reading we got for, for May, only 12.5% reported that jobs were hard to get, which is only a little bit higher than the all-time low that we, we received a 9.6%. So, you know, jobs are still very opportunities out there. As mentioned, 10 million job openings, very tight labor conditions. So there's just a lot of demand for workers, especially on the services side of things. And until we start to see employers think about cutting back workers more, we're just not going to see much easing overall. You know, I think the biggest tailwind for the, for the labor market has been continued spending, uh, especially on services. Uh, typically, as we would think we're heading into a recession, expecting consumers start to cut back on expenses, and we just haven't seen that to a large degree. There's a lot of excess savings from over the pandemic. You know, consumers are really valuing service spending. They're ex valuing being able to go travel again, go out to dinner, doing other recreational activities, and it's continuing to put a lot of pressure on service firms to keep up their workers and add more workers. Uh, and as Kathy mentioned, in some cases, they're still below where they were in the pre-COVID era, so they're down. Uh, many businesses relative to where they were several years ago, and you still have strong demand. So, of course, you're going to be working for, looking for workers, uh, you know, and that makes for a great environment for workers, uh, great wages, great increases in income. Um, but as Kathy mentioned, that puts a lot of pressure on services inflation, and that's still a key focus for the Fed. Uh, it's a part of the economy that remains too hot for inflation to really come down meaningfully. We've seen it come down, um, but that was mainly good side driven. Uh, and going forward, I think goods prices are going to level off. And so any cooling and in inflation, you're going to have to see it from the services side. Uh, and these latest hot numbers from the jobs market tell us we're not quite there yet. Um, you know, going forward, as far as how long this could last, uh, really, it's going to center around that spending activity. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty strong summer for services spending. Uh, maybe as we go into the fall and we get past kind of the vacation season, maybe people finally then start to pull back on spending and, and we'll see that activity start to turn south. And maybe employers will start to cut back on the amount of labor that they're looking for. Um, but we haven't seen it yet. And, and we continue to expect that to happen. And we keep continuing to push out those expectations. So right now we'd say 
for the next couple of months, still pretty strong. Maybe starting to see some more cracks start to form, um, but probably not anything meaningful until we get to the fall. Do you think there are any benefits to having a healthy labor market go this long, or are there downfalls to it too, maybe? I mean, certainly there's benefits. You know, you see that, you know, the more long you see tight conditions across the market, the more benefits you see spread out to maybe the marginal parts uh, of the, the labor force that might not see. I mean, one of the big benefits we've seen over the past couple of years is outsized wage gains for lower skilled sectors. Uh, that's been an area where much of the real income growth over the past couple of decades has been pretty marginal. And, and as we've seen very tight conditions for those lower skilled paying sectors, you know, you're seeing much higher wage growth and they're catching up a lot more. So that, that's is a good sign for that side of the economy. And Kathy, uh, you, both you and Ben were talking about the labor market is strong because there's so, still so much consumer spending, so much demand for things right now, especially services. And I know that's got to be a big head scratcher for the Fed who's been trying to slow things down, trying to slow down spending. So next week they have their meeting for June. Well, do we have any insight as to what they might be deciding or announcing at that time? Yeah, it's it's a tough time for the Federal Reserve. Uh, as you said, they've been trying to slow down uh, consumer spending, cool off the labor market, uh, and, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, they had intended to uh, pause um, and, and wait and assess the economic landscape before deciding whether to raise interest rates further. Um, and they're going to go forth with that, even though the incoming data would argue that they should continue tightening, frankly. And there's a little bit of uh, a miscommunication or perhaps they got ahead of themselves because they said, you know, we're data dependent. Um, and yet they've been real, many of the leaders of the Federal Overmarket Committee um, have indicated that they would like to pause and, and skip the June meeting. Um, but they've been quick to say it doesn't preclude us from tightening further in July. Of course, that begs the question, well, why not go ahead and tighten in June? Why wait to July? But it's really the fact that they came out of the last FOMC meeting, policy meeting, and saying and made their decision that we've, we've done a lot. We've raised rates 500 basis points. We know that bank lending um, standards are are increasing, becoming more restrictive. That means credit availability will decrease. And there's lags with all of these actions, and they don't want to overdo it, right? And, um, you know, in that sense, you can understand it, but it's not how they communicated it <laughs> to us. So they're data dependent somewhat. <laughs> and um, now, if we get a shockingly, you know, ugly in, in, in CPI report on June 13th, that's the first day of the two day meeting, you could see the pressure building for them to tighten. Um, especially if the markets start to price that in. So I wouldn't rule out a tightening, but most likely they're going to take a punt and, and reassess at the end of July. Yeah, I think a lot of people in our audience are really aware of what's happening right now. They like to watch as data comes out every week. And so in terms of things you just mentioned, um, like loan standards being tightened, things like that, what kind of things do the Fed's watching that maybe our audience might want to watch with them? I, I think it's... Um, you know, the, the labor market, particularly, uh, and, and inflation, those, um, because the labor market feeds into consumer spending. So we have a pretty good sense um, after we see the employment numbers, the wage growth, and how many hours people were working, we have a pretty good sense of what core personal income is going to be for the month. And then from there, you can make a 
pretty good estimate for consumer spending. Um, so cooling the labor market, that will slow down income and therefore should slow down consumer spending. Um, the, the inflation uh, part of that is also related in that if consumers start to pull back, companies will have less ability to raise prices even further and, and therefore cools down inflation. But the incoming data, I would say labor market um, in, and, and inflation measures, um, even the survey data is also very helpful, like the ISM, ISM 9 manufacturing data. Um, what the ISM manufacturing showed is that manufacturing's in contraction, meaning basically recession, um, housing market is tech sector to some degree. Um, but what we saw this morning is the service side of the economy slowed, but it, it's still expanding. Um, so there is, is kind of the, the, the data to watch, and that's what the Federal Reserve will be watching going forward. You know, it's really interesting. You're talking about how companies have been trying to react or kind of keep up with things. I know it wasn't that long ago that you saw companies having a hard time keeping inventory up because there's so much spending. They weren't able to open their factories to make their products, so they didn't have things going onto the shelves. So there's even more demand for items that weren't even available, which probably caused inflation to go up quite a bit. So let me ask you about for some closing thoughts about this on today's podcast. We're right now in a pre-recessionary phase of this business cycle. So how does this pre-recessionary phase compare with previous periods? I mean, how has the pandemic impacted the Fed's ability to slow down the economy? I mean, we had historic unemployment numbers during that time and spending was high. There's a lot of stimulus payments coming out that that time. Um, Inventory, supply chain issues, pent up demand on services and travel. That wasn't that long ago and still kind of carrying into today. So how is this different than what we've seen previously? Sure. Yeah. You know, certainly I think when you look at this pre-recessionary period, because I mean, we've been calling this the most predicted recession in U.S. history. um, It's the strength of the labor market really sticks out. You know, typically, you know, when we look at some key leading indicators, whether it's the yield curve, index of leading economic indicators from the conference board, they're very clearly pointing towards very high recessionary risks as we look out, you know, for the next three, even six months from now. Um, but typically, you see in those periods that higher activity is really weakening. Uh, in the year ahead of the past couple of recessions, the average monthly job growth has been around 100,000, 150,000. Uh, as, as businesses really start to pare back on their hiring in anticipation of a downturn coming on the way. As Kathy mentioned in the opener, you know, we've averaged about 340,000 jobs per month over the past 12 months. And even when you cut that down to just the last six months, we're still about 300,000 jobs per month. You know, clearly, we're about double what we would normally be in a pre-recessionary period. Um, and that's stronger than the number of new entrants in the labor force. And it's actively still tightening labor market conditions more broadly across the economy. So usually you would see some easing a little bit ahead of the downturn, much slower job growth, maybe even a negative print or two um, from job growth. And we're clearly quite far away from that. Uh, and some of this does tie back to the pandemic. You know, we've seen a very tight labor market, much tighter in the early stages of, a, of, a, of an expansion coming out of the 2020 recession. Um, than we normally would. And much of that was caused by significant shortages of workers caused by the pandemic as many people retired, walked away. Maybe they had to leave the labor force because of change in family conditions or health concerns. Uh, And so the huge disruption across the labor market is really carrying through to now, yet again, keeping that service costs very high and those wages very high. A lot of that still ties back to what has occurred over the labor market and the disruption 
over the course of the pandemic. And I mean, you think about the demand side from consumers, you know, Brian, you mentioned stimulus, a lot of stimulus coming through. And we've even seen some recent estimates from the Fed, just about $500 billion potentially of, of excess savings from over the pandemic that are still left to be spent. Uh, and that's a lot of tailwinds for spending. And yet again, that's keeping businesses from letting go of workers because they have to keep up with the demand. Anything else you'd like to add, Kathy? Ben, you, you covered a lot there. Um, I, you know, I, I do agree with you that uh, the COVID and the, the fallout from that has really disrupted normal uh, analysis of the business cycle, really, both the downturn and the recovery, um, and, and now, you know, later in the business cycle. I, I would just add that, you know, the original, um, you know, inflation um impetus it really did start on the good side because we had demand as you said fiscal policy was the most expansive ever and we pumped in all this money into household and businesses uh bank accounts essentially and at a time when supply was as constrained it was and they inflation was inevitable the question is was it you know the fed thought it would be transitory it was in the good sector but now the problem is it's embedded in the service sector and that's really the struggle for the federal reserve and that's the part of the economy we're talking about that's hot if you look at the labor market manufacturing jobs we shed jobs in a good sector it's the service side is really booming it's in the employment number and consumer spending and you know i think bottom line hate to be a bit of a pessimist here but if it doesn't slow down the fed's going to slow it down and you know the, the fed will just have to do more work to do that well, thank you kathy and Ben, appreciate your input on this really important topic. We're going to closely watch the economy as the uh, new, as new data comes out, and then, of course, when the Fed responds to the data in their upcoming meeting in June, we'll make sure we give our reaction to that too. So make sure you subscribe to receive notifications when each new episode is released. In fact, in our very next episode, we're going to look closely at a business owner survey. We're going to listen to see what business owners are saying about the economy right now, what concerns they have, and what fears do they have about the looming recession. So until then, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023 Nationwide.